We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And as this is Thanksgiving week, we're going to do a pod on what we're thankful for. And it's been a, a hell of a year, a roller coaster for sure. Between the summer, things not working out with Kawhi, Lakers signing some role players, LeBron going on his Washed King revenge tour, and now we're sitting at 15-2 and two with a lot to be thankful for. Darius, how about you start us out, my man? What are you thankful for in, in this, uh, this new year? Let's keep it simple to start. Let's be thankful for Anthony Davis. Man, yes. Coming into the year, there was obviously a bunch of talk about, oh, people have forgotten how good Anthony Davis is. Let's just say I don't think people really forgot. We've talked about that on previous pods. I think that was a little bit overblown for narrative sakes. But just being able to watch a player of his caliber night in and night out, Mm -hmm. especially as a defensive player, the type of difference maker he is on that side of the ball. I'm honestly trying to remember a Lakers defensive player who has been this impactful game to game during the regular season, right? Like we'll see during the playoffs, Shaq, I thought was like a tremendously impactful playoff defensive player. And Kobe obviously was one of those high level wing defenders and and all defensive team, first team type defensive player. But to see a big guy like this with his type of range and, and how he's impacting every game and not only just like doing the little things, but making like big plays at the end of these games, right? The Lakers have won Mm -hmm. eight in a row at the time that we're recording this. And I think in all eight of those wins, at least the close games, he's made at least one 
or two big defensive plays like every single time in those last two or three minutes. It's just one of those things where it's sort of astonishing to Mm -hmm. see him play every night. And like, if we're giving thanks, like, let's give thanks to him, right? Amen, man. And the thing that trips me out about AD is the number of plays that he's involved in on the defensive end yeah. is just so much higher than, you know, you you mentioned watching Kobe, you mentioned Shaq when he would turn it on in the playoffs. And even then it was like kind of like stretches of time. Anthony Davis is involved in more defensive plays than any player I've I've ever watched this closely. That's what I appreciate about this experience hmm. on, on my end is I can't watch all 30 teams the same way that I watch the Lakers, right? This It's very unique to my experience to watch very, very, very closely this team. And I, I especially with the new athletic gig and having to write about the general NBA, I've got to educate myself elsewhere, but nothing compares to the experience I have of watching and rewatching tape and chopping up every single play yeah. and color coding it and putting the plays that are like each other next to each other and seeing what observations I come up with. And that's just what is jaw dropping about Anthony Davis is he's got some holes on the offensive end that I think make him kind of an ideal number two, even though he's an elite, like 25 point per game or more scorer. I think him having LeBron next to him really, helps him be all that he can be and watching him do that offensively along with his like he's the defensive player of the year and I think he's the favorite for that right now in terms of the national narrative I think it's backed up by his tape and his play so my thing that I'm thankful for is tied into that is I'm thankful for the resilience of the leadership of the Lakers organization Mm. We were killing these people, man. And we are, you know, we're friendly territory, yeah. right? And so if you're if you're pissing off you and I and Anthony and Harrison and just the greater Lakers Twitter sphere, like we're rooting for you. We want you to be doing well. And they had now, mind you, they had earned our animus for sure. And with a, a lot of dysfunction, I think Magic stepping down was a really pivotal moment in this franchise. But I've really appreciated how they kept their nose to the grindstone while all of us were killing them over the course of this summer. They recovered well with the Kawhi Leonard situation. And in these times when it would be very easy for them to be preening and taking patting themselves on the back for the 15-2 and two start— haven't heard anything from Palenka, hadn't, yeah. haven't heard anything from Jeannie, just the same as it was when things were going poorly. I like that. It's a nice— change of pace from the Magic Johnson era. And I think that it leads to shining a spotlight in more of a place where it belongs, which is on the court, on the players. And it's really let LeBron kind of take this team and and lead it to where we're at. Well, it's funny too, right? You talked about how I thought one of the things that you and I, or let me speak for myself, actually, one, one of the things that I was disappointed with when it came to the leadership during all that time where they were catching all of our ire was the fact that they were quiet, that they weren't offering explanations. And I sort of looked at that as a lack of leadership. And in hindsight, I still sort of believe that to be true, but I appreciate the fact that there's a consistency, right, with that, Mm -hmm. that they haven't now gotten noisy when things have gone well while they were quiet when things were bad. They've sort of kept up 
that low profile, behind the scenes, not a lot of talking. And from my perspective, I'm I'm sort of thankful for that consistency, right? Because I think it would be very easy, just like you said, at this point in time for them to sort of like puff out their chest a little bit, take an interview, right? Suddenly there's a feature out there, right? Or Jeannie Buss is holding court or she's on Cowherd or Rob Palinka is suddenly getting some SI profile or something like that. But And I mean, who knows, something could drop tomorrow, right? But at the time of this recording, (laughs) we like they haven't done any of that. So that sort of consistency is something that I appreciate personally. It it takes a lot to just keep your eyes on what you need to be doing when you got all that noise around you. And so that that consistency and that resilience to be able to be like, yeah, everyone's killing me from all angles, but I'm going to keep doing what I do because I believe in it. And then to execute on that, it it really has really impressed me. And it buys a little bit of slack from me the next time things go poorly. Like we did the last pod on Palenka and it was like, I don't know this dude. He's got no cachet built up, nothing in the bank for me to be like, all right, well, this doesn't look good right now. But remember this thing that one time and it ended up working out? Well, that's what this particular stretch is for me, is that next time things go a little bit sideways, I'm going to be a little slower to, to criticize. Yeah, there's there's an element of patience, right, that comes with this. And you know me too, right? Like, I feel like I've always been someone who wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think you were the same way. I think that we're very slow to sort of pull the trigger on people and really put them under the gun in a way where we're overly critical because I think you and I both understand that there's a certain amount of things that we don't know, things that are, mm-hmm. that are sort of out of their control, even as leaders and Sometimes when you're at the top, or a lot of times when you're at the top, you're going to take some hits regardless, Mm -hmm. right? Things go wrong and it's on you. That said, the benefit of the doubt probably before was more just within our nature, like we're being patient. And I think the point that you made about them sort of banking some goodwill is a really good one here. So what do you got next, my man? What are you thankful for? So you talked about resiliency. I want to talk about LeBron James, right? This idea of rededication, a rebuilding of what he is as a player. I watched an episode of The Shop recently. It was um, the one that aired in late October. He had talked about how this summer and all the time off sort of allowed him to strip the car down, right, to nothing Mm -hmm. in order to rebuild it back up. And I think... If you've listened to his interviews lately, there is a certain amount of like almost cockiness to a lot of his statements. I'm not sure if you've been watching like the post-game walk-offs. Of course, yeah. And and all of the like locker room quotes. I've actually, I've seen the cockiness and I've also seen some self-reflection, right? Like he was talking after the San Antonio game about the influence that how the Spurs defended him in his first finals appearance, how that made him a better shooter. And just that, I don't know that this is like LeBron's last great stand. He's certainly not playing like he's going to be going away anytime soon. But I do think that there's been enough time and having that first bit of failure after eight straight finals appearances may have recalibrated him and maybe he's a little more appreciative and like looking at what he has and what he can still do. And that's what I'm thankful for. But please continue. 
Yeah, no, like the whole Washed King stuff and it's revenge season. And I think all of that is sort of these these things all intermingle and they're all sort of related. Right. And I think that you're right about sort of reflecting on not only what he's accomplished, but what he still wants to accomplish and the path that he's had to take in order to get to year 17 and still play at such a high level and being able to clap back at some of the doubters, even if the percentage of doubters relative to believers was relatively small. Right. Like that's what the great ones do. That's right. Remember MJ's Hall of Fame speech and like they've got to invent these enemies. Right. And so the first yeah. little bit of chirping about LeBron, he comes back and he's like, I'm going to destroy all of you. And I'm yeah, it's just so cool to watch on a game to game basis. Yeah. So for me, it's just sort of this like not only a thankfulness, but an appreciation. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the Lakers have been blessed to have a bunch of all time great players play for the organization. I've always said that the history of the NBA mirrors the history of the Lakers, right? Because starting with Mikan and now all the way through LeBron, there have been so many faces of the league who have been faces of the Lakers franchise. And you cannot write the history of the NBA without directly pointing at key figures within the Lakers franchise. And so to sort of have LeBron come back the way that he did this season after questions coming out of last season, right? He floated in and out of a bunch of games. He suffered his first injury of his career, like the first major injury. And there were questions. Like I said, there weren't these huge LeBron skeptics and LeBron truthers like, oh, he's done. But along the same lines, I think that he did approach this season with a renewed vigor. And I am super happy to have this guy playing for this franchise this season. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, man. Like with the LFR stuff, it has a personal note to me too, where, you know, you and I've both been diehard Laker fans. You've had form blue and gold for years and years now. I think it's coming up on 10 years where you've run it, right? Yeah. So you've covered Lakers championship teams. For me, I started doing this in 2016, right? This is, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson and all of these guys. Luke Walton to the Lakers was my first video, how Brandon Ingram will fit in with the Lakers. And many of those guys are thriving around the league, but it's not the same as watching Kobe. It's not the same as watching Shaq. It's not the same as watching even Powell and Lamar Odom and those guys who are at the top of their game right then and there. So to be able to do LFR with a good team that's looking like it might be a great one and being able to watch not just Anthony Davis as a great player, but LeBron is in the pantheon of the basketball gods, right? Yeah. And if you truly love basketball, what a treat is it to watch one of the gods at the height of their powers? He's he's as good as he's ever been right now, man. Yeah. Hopefully that lasts through 82 and through the playoffs. But right now, my goodness, to be able to watch that on a night to night basis, man, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful for that. No, and we're adults now, right? You and I have talked a lot about sort of growing up on the Showtime Lakers and Magic Johnson and Chick Hearn and the rivalry with the Celtics. And even through like our teenage and early adult years, the Kobe and Shaq teams, and then this prolonged stretch of brilliance from Kobe to now sort of be like full on grownups. With like kids and, you know, yeah. Yeah. To have it double too, where we're involved in 
covering the team in whatever small or big way that Mm -hmm. we do and offer our insights that are received by people, actual people who are like listening to this pod right now. It's sort of crazy, right? To think of what it was like when we were six, seven, eight years old and watching Magic play against Larry Bird. And now to be what we are now, I'm not going to say, right? But because we're our own washed kings. Um, yes. <laughs> um, to, like to watch LeBron, it's like, it really is great. It, it is, man. And so now I want to kind of, you know, get into the pettier side of me. Sure. With what yes. I'm grateful for. I am grateful for Danny Ainge. I am grateful <laughs> that he blew one of the most lopsided trades of all time, got a big old head start with the Brooklyn picks and all that, and never managed to build a title contender within that. And now he's doing sit-down interviews with Rachel Nichols, making the greatest faces. You had a great tweet about this today. Just like you see the inner torture and like he's like right there, like he's good enough to stay in the job for years and years. But boy, would I give anything for the Lakers to pass the Celtics in titles with Danny Ainge at the helm of oh, the Boston man. Celtics. It would be like the look on your face right now. Oh, I wish I could. <laughs> so I am grateful for the Celtics not being what they were all cracked up to be. Danny Ainge was supposed to be the best GM in the league and got, they always get so gassed up by a media that's very New England heavy. And so recently there was a game against the Celtics and the Clippers in which Probably 80, 85% of my mentions were rooting, not for the Celtics, but against the Clippers. That was the motivation of that. And you and I were apoplectic at the idea of not rooting against the Celtics in in any circumstance, right? We were that Game of Thrones clip, right? With like the guy pulling out his sword is like everyone is on rushing him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, I don't care how, uh, how many of you there are. I don't care your rationale and i don't care if it even makes sense it's always i forgot to give the disclaimer that we're gonna cuss in this all right so that's your disclaimer if you got kids in the car if you got kids you know the you know aunt mildred around the table at thanksgiving listening to this pod might want to pause it right here but above all else fuck the celtics yes this is this is yes a historic rivalry going back 70 years the score that matters most right now is 17 to 16, and we're down one. And in this sort of, there there are different, like there's the game by game, the play by play way of following things. But as you get older, like you said, we're, we're the washed kings ourselves, right? As you get older, you start looking at seasons as these small clips and That's right. years of life and all of that as small clips. The, the Celtics are, like, hating the Celtics is our birthright, and we have many reasons for that. So that's, that's my—I'll get into this a little bit more, but I want to hear your perspective on that as a guy who didn't grow up in L.A. Even. No, so look, man, look, look. And Jeannie can beep this part out, or she cannot. Fuck the no, Celtics. We, yes. Right? Fuck Danny Ainge. Yes. All these dudes. All of them. So, so right? why? So why? No, yeah, tell tell look, the people why. Because some look, of these people, some of the people who listen are too young to understand. I think of the Celtics. I think of, I think of Kurt Rambis getting clotheslined on the fast break. I think of James Worthy getting his jersey held. I think of all of the beat LA chants. I like. I remember. I remember the Celtics losing in a playoff series that I think was going to. 
I can't even remember who they were going to yes. lose to. I think it was the Pistons. It I might have been the Pistons, right? Uh-huh. And, and so, and they're going down. And it's in Boston. And it's in Boston. This is in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Pistons, I think, are going to go to the finals to play the Lakers. And these bullshit Boston fans are chanting, beat LA, right? And so when you talk about when you talk about that game between the Celtics and the Clippers, and you're talking about, well, there were a bunch of fans who were like, oh, well, you know, like the Clippers are the real threat. I want them to lose. <laughs> you just like, to me, the Lakers-Celtics rivalry comes down to exactly that. Those Celtics fans who were just basically handed their hats mm-hmm. by a team and they, they were about just to get lost, eliminated. Right? They had just lost a chance to go to the finals. And their focus instantly shifts to y'all gotta beat the Lakers. Yeah, that's right? all we care about now. I've said this for years and years and years. The Lakers could go two and eighty. <laughs> if those two wins are against the Celtics, I'm gonna feel good at the end of the day that the Lakers beat the Celtics those two times. Every St. Patrick's Day, I post a picture on my Instagram account of some Laker doing something horrible to a Celtic. It might be Ron Artest with his elbow <laughs> in Paul Pierce's face. It might be AC Green dunking on Larry Bird. It might be Magic Johnson hitting the baby hook shot. It might be Kareem with his fists in the air, right? 1984 finals. It doesn't matter. Fuck the Celtics. That's Every right. single time, right? And so I'm glad that you brought this up because <laughs> it brought joy to my heart to see Rachel Nichols say to Danny Ainge, well, you just complimented the Lakers, so let's just end this interview, right? Like, she had pristine timing with that. <laughs> all, like, all that clip needed was the Curb Your Enthusiasm Yes, music, with right? his thousand-yard stare, just like staring off into the district like, oh, I fucked up somewhere along the lines here. Right, and so thank you to Danny Ainge, and thank you as well, right, because they had targeted Anthony Davis for literally mm-hmm. a half decade, man. Like, their whole plan was in place was to trade for Anthony Davis. Like, he has been their number one target, and the Lakers just swooped in and got him. And so, yes, I'm super thankful for that one. So our uh, our producer and my, my girl Jeannie just texted me, thank you, Danny Ray, for not getting Giannis too, right? He passed up on Giannis for Kelly Olynyk, right? Like all yeah. of these. And this is like the most gassed up GM in the NBA. One of my favorite things about the new gig at The Athletic is trolling Celtics fans because there's this perception I'm supposed to be this unbiased observer. Now. Sure. It's like, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no, you know? And they are so used to being painted in the most positive light by the national media that anybody who frames it a little differently, like, they, so I, I tweeted, you know, the Lakers move the 14 and two, the Celtics show they can't hang out West by going two and three on their West Coast road trip, right? Heads in Massachusetts were exploding all over my timeline. Go, oh, well, Kemba got hurt and it was really close games against it. Like, 
I don't care. Like, I, I'm going to fuck with you a little bit, right? Yes. Because they never do. They never get the animosity that the Lakers get, right? Because the Lakers have been successful. They, As we always say, they have ruined childhoods. They they won the vast majority of their titles while five foot seven milkmen were dribbling with their right hand with their heads down, staring at their shoes, right? And so it, it all comes down to like the Clippers are small potatoes. The Denver Nuggets, the Toronto Raptors, all these teams, they're good teams, right? M- maybe they pick up a title here or there. But right now the score is 17 to 16, and I, I want to see that flip in my lifetime. Yeah, and that's enough said on that. I, I am just been nodding my head furiously to, to all of this. All right, man, give me, give me one more. So I'm glad you brought out the petty. I'm going to bring it back to feeling good, right, with, <laughs> with like a piece of sweet potato pie and some mac and cheese and all of that for Thanksgiving. Look, man. And I know this may come off as like, oh, entitled Lakers fan or this, this, that, and the other, but the Lakers are good again, man. And Mm -hmm. it's been a while. Like, it's just been a long time. And I know for some teams, six lottery seasons is like the blink of an eye, right? If you're the Timberwolves or the Kings or one of those squads who had like this decade-long stretch of futility where all you're worried about every year is the ping-pong balls, like, I get it. This may sound a little bit mm, like like F y'all, right? Mm-hmm. Like y'all are the Lakers. Who are y'all fooling? That said, Kobe's Achilles, lottery team after lottery team, investing hope in a bunch of draft picks who who you and I believed in and still believe in, right? And just like you said, a lot of these guys are contributing around the league and and three of them we're going to see on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But to see the Lakers sort of back and competing at a level where it seems clear that they will be a playoff team, that they will have games in late April, and hopefully into May and June, and be playing for something meaningful again, like, that means something to me. And, and I'm sure it means something to you too. Bro, if this isn't a title team right now, and mind you, I say that going into the season thinking this was a second round team, maybe Western Conference Finals if the bracket breaks right, puncher's chance with great ones, but I did not believe this was a title team to start the season. If this team is not a title team, they're very close. And they are one offseason, one good MLE signing away from being able to do that, especially considering most of these guys are here for more than one year. And we assume that Anthony Davis is going to re-sign. So I am so grateful to be... We kind of skipped past the whole like average, maybe a little bit above average part. And now this is... If if they ain't the best team in the league, they're very close, man. And that that feels real good. I, I didn't think we'd be there at this point. And it's just a gift, man, especially do, doing what we do. And that, that leads me to the, the last one, man. It's uh, the listeners, the, the fans, the people who yeah. follow our stuff, man. Like, what a life to be able to do what we do, to, to get paid for it, to be able to share in the community and, you know, talk to you all online, on, on Twitter and, and the different places that we do. It's, it's really a gift that all of you listen to the show and have have really enriched our lives. And I I hope that we do the same. So thank you so, so very much for everything. Yeah, no, I I really do just want to second that, right? So you had mentioned earlier that I've been running for Form Blue and Gold for a while. So I took over in February of 2010. So their last championship season, and I was writing for the site before that as well. But, but I took it over full, full time, almost a decade ago, 
right? And I've seen some really great teams. And writing about the Lakers is fun. And talking to you is fun. What I will say, though, is that none of what we do happens without people actually supporting us, right? Supporting us by listening to the pod, supporting us by reading the articles that we write, even for a bunch of y'all supporting us, like even financially through like our Patreon mm-hmm. or, or donating money every once in a while just to sor- so sort of show your support financially for the time and effort that we put into doing this. And I'm super grateful for that. Not just thankful, like I'm grateful for that because like the interactions the good and the bad, right? We like we have some bad sometimes, but all of that makes the experience of what we do on a day-to-day basis in terms of, of trying to give you guys the best coverage that that we can. It, I would say that it drives us, right? Like mm-hmm. I write and and get on the pod and I would say too that Pete, you probably pr- like produce content you do some of this for yourself, right? Like, like it fulfills oh, yeah. you, right? Yeah. Like, I always say that I, I write the stuff I would want to read. That said, I know that I don't do this in, in a vacuum and that without all of y'all, I'd just be some, some voice in the wind that no one ever heard, right? So, so, I, so I truly appreciate the platform and that platform doesn't exist without the support of everyone. Yeah, it's been life-changing stuff for me. Like my life will never be the same thanks to this. And um, last but not least, I want to thank our producer, Jeannie. That's right. the, the love of my life. I, I, I love you. I am enjoying going on this wild, strange trip with you. Thank you for everything that you do and just know that you're appreciated. So with that said, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Missing. Unbelievable. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?